Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Welcome to our Black Thought University program that aims to help the Black mind think, develop, and grow. Let's start thinking. Our guest today is a hypnotherapist that started her practice in an attempt to help Black men heal and thrive through the power of hypnotherapy. After a long bout with depression, she discovered that hypnotherapy was the only effective tool that helped her get through and heal. Now she wants to serve the black community and help black men heal. Let's welcome today, Miss Ashley B to the program. Ashley, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for coming through today. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be speaking with you today. Um, before, before we get started, man, I, I definitely want to ask you, what did you do for your mental health today or this week? Today, I allowed myself to be upset. I gave myself full permission to scream and jump and just admit that things weren't falling into place when and how I wanted them to, instead of just giving into what people call toxic positivity, where you're just saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. You know, sometimes it's also important to create balance and just admit like a lot of those emotions to come through so that you can get to a more solutions-based mindset and rather than suppressing your human emotions. So that's what I did for myself today. Ah, I got you. Agreed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have been doing some morning exercising lately. So that's kind of been what I've been doing for my mental health this week. I'm getting back on track, waking up in the morning super early, which has been super helpful with some yes. mental clarity throughout the day. That's mean. Yeah. Morning, getting up early is definitely a good strategy for sure. All right. So um, before we get started, I kind of want people to know a little bit about your story. Uh, we did have Ashley on the program for an individual interview. So if you really want to get to the nitty and gritty, you could check out that interview. Season three should be episode four, I believe. Episode mm-hmm. four. For those that didn't tune in or don't know, can you just share a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into hypnotherapy uh, with everybody? Yeah, very quickly. So hypnotherapy came into my life at a really young age. My mom's best friend was a hypnotherapist. I didn't realize at the time that that was a weird you know, I keep a job. I didn't know at the time that that was something that people found weird. Um, but he would, he lived in California. He was very successful. He did motivational speaking. He was hired, you know, to like six, four black man played tennis. And um, he was probably a millionaire at the time, just because he had amassed so such a following of people, like helping people with self-improvement. And he would fly in holidays, like Thanksgiving, and celebrate with us. And I remember very, really vividly from a young age, him hypnotizing people at our like dining room table, our kitchen tables, and just seeing these like streams of tears of relief and healing come through that, you know, people that were really traumatized, domestic abuse, 
insecurities, drug addiction, you'd be helping them at our kitchen table. And it would just be amazing. And anytime we had like life issues, me and my mom, we would call Timothy and ask for life advice. And he was always there. But I kind of forgot about that. I didn't really think about it. I kind of took it for granted. And over the years on my own self-improvement journey, you know, I was dealing with suppressed emotion, anger, substance abuse, insecurities, procrastination. And, and I was looking for a way to change. I, I had generational curses like most people. And I was, you know, didn't have outside of Timothy, family, friends helping me work through that. They would just say, you know, oh, just sleep it off or you're crazy or you, people have it worse than you. Just have a drink, just go work out. These just things that they were telling me to just get over it, you know, but I really wanted to change radically because I was either going to kill myself because I really, I had suicide ideation or I was going to learn how to live happy because I did not want to live miserable. That was not an option for me. So on my self-improvement healing journey, I kept hearing over and over that you have to heal your subconscious mind and, and, you know, those deep seated unconscious beliefs that were driving you to be unhappy. And at some point, someone gave me a, handed me a self-improvement book. They're like, Hey, I'm just going to throw this out. It has a hypnosis CD. Do you want it? And I said, yeah, I've tried everything else. And hypnosis wasn't really scary to me again, because Timothy had exposed it to me at a young age. So it wasn't something I was like, you can't hypnotize me. You can't do that. But (laughs) the book, you know, like most people do, you know, you have to be weak-minded to do that and all this stuff like that. You know, I didn't really have those preconceived negative notions about it. So I was open to it and I tried everything else and nothing seemed to work for me personally. You know, talk therapy, diet, fasting, spiritual cleansing, all those things helped in their own special way, but they would find myself back into a cyclical depression. So I was like, let me try it. And I did the exercises in the book. I listened to the recording and in a very short period of time, I saw my life change. Um, I was happier. I was more ambitious. I was setting goals. I was following through. I was more confident. I was holding my head higher. And, you know, I would fall off a little bit because there's only so much you can do with a book and a recording. And I would be like, okay, I'm making progress, mm-hmm. you know? So I would just be like, I would forget about it. Like most, most of us, when we find something that's working, we stop using it. So like, it took me a while before I realized that, you know, I needed to be consistent with it. And after a while, my life changed. I got out of poverty. I got a high credit score. I went from just making $17,000 a year working in restaurants to $44,000 a year. That was a lot for me at the time in the financial services industry without a college degree because my confidence and my ambition had built so much. I was able to pull myself out of like out of those old self-sabotaging habits. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I got, I remember one day being in the office and being like, wow, I'm in this cubicle. Like this is new for me. This is, I did, I've got out the mud because I changed my mind. Uh, my mindset, my beliefs, and I want to help other people do the same. Growing up in St. Louis, Missouri is very segregated. You guys saw the Ferguson riots. You saw all those things. So you can see like living that firsthand. There's not a lot in the black community there that was saying that change is possible. It was basically the message over and over again was that life is just hard. Just deal with it. Just hustle. Just go to work to shut up. Just have a drink. Like there wasn't really anything in the black community telling us that change was possible. And so I wanted, I I knew in that moment that I saw myself do a full 180 and I wanted to be a hypnotherapist, have my own book one day. That's how long ago this was, have my own book and CD to help people. (laughs) (laughs) But 
yeah, I have my own book. I have my own resources to help the black community show them that it was possible. And that's my story. <laughs> Man. Uh, thank you for that. Cause I feel like, uh, I think you've mentioned this before that this field like of hypnotherapy, even mental health, like a lot of black people try to avoid it. So it's like, it's like mm-hmm. pulling teeth almost where you're like trying to convince people that their mental health is important. They're improving themselves is important. And just things that we take for granted that other cultures do on a regular basis. So I definitely, you know, kudos for you for focusing in on that. I know it's been a journey you know, trying to convince Black folks that mental health is something important, especially with hypnotherapy, because I think a lot of people don't even have an understanding of hypnotherapy. And we, it's never something that is really even talked about in the field of um, mental health at all. So Mm. I wanted you to kind of explain hypnotherapy for us and why it, you know, why you think it it is something that could be effective for Black people. Because I know like when I was talking to people about the program, they were like, Yo, I'm not trying to do this thing. And, um, you know, are, is she going to hypnotize me and I'm be walking around barking like a dog? Like, I feel like we have kind of like a Hollywood ideology of what it is. So can you break down, you know, the elements of it and uh, what it entails and why you think it is something that could be effective for black people? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. So you said the Hollywood version. I personally believe that Hollywood has strategically exploited people's fear of hypnosis to kind of keep them away from it because it is very powerful. Like if more people were to use hypnotherapy, there would be less money in things like vice, addiction, pharmaceuticals, the things that most people spend most of their money on, you know, like things that help them feel more more secure when they feel insecure and get instant gratification. Those things will go away tremendously. That's money out of their pockets because hypnosis is so powerful. But anyway, your first question was, what is hypnotherapy? Um, In a nutshell, it is hypnosis used therapeutically. Hypnosis is like an archaic term, really. It Hip, hip, the the act of hypnosis and using it as a healing modality has been around since the ancient Egypt, Egyptians. Like people don't realize that um, in Kemet, if you're like Afrocentric and you look at the Kemet history, then that is something that we Black folks discover. Like people, melanated people, started using it as a healing modality centuries ago, and white folks started using the word hypnosis around the 1800s to describe like a healing state, uh, a, a relaxed, calming, healing state. Um, hypno is a, a Greek root road of like for sleep. So it looks like you're sleeping when you're in hypnosis because you're just in this like really calm, uh, relaxing state of trance. But it's around, you know, a hundred years ago, hypnotherapy started to become a term where you're using hypnosis therapeutically for personal self-improvement, healing trauma, Um, addiction, habit control, low self-esteem mindset. And the way that I personally believe that it can help Black people is because we're so inundated with messages that we're not enough, that we're not smart enough, that we have to act a thousand percent just to be seen as a hundred percent equal, that, you know, we're inundated with these messages of you're a thug, you're a thought, you're, in order to be successful, you have to be like degrade yourself. So like all these are, these messages 
go into your subconscious and your subconscious rules up to 95% of your habits, your beliefs about yourself, the world, your behavior, your desires, your, your, you know, your cravings. So if you, if, if black folks are inundated with these negative messages and it's on their subconscious level, hypnosis can help you get into a calm state of being to help you go in and change your own subconscious beliefs so that you feel more empowered, less traumatized, less less anxiousness, less stress. And you're going into, to kind of break those negative, that negative conditioning, those negative beliefs and build the ones that you want so that you're happier, free, and more productive. Um, And studies actually show, scientific studies actually show that that is what's happening in real time when you're in the state of hypnosis. Hypnosis is really, I don't even really like to use that term anymore since you and I met. I've really gotten away from using that term because there is such a negative stigma around it. But if you look at what hypnosis is like in brain imaging, um, if you really like set someone, put them in that state and you measure their brain waves, it's what's called an alpha or theta wave state. It just means that your brain waves, they're just, it's, it's slower thought activity so that you're turning your attention inward. When we're turning our attention outward, we have higher brainwave activity and that the higher the brainwave, the more anxious and stressed you are. So it helps you just like get to a calmer state. So your brainwaves are slower. So you're more able to hear your inner wisdom for personal transformation. Mm. And anyone that has come to me for assistance, you they know that my therapy style is not like traditional therapy where I'm sitting there telling you, okay, well, tell me about your childhood and tell me all this and tell me all these things. And I'm asking all these questions. And then I'd say, oh, well, you should do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll feel better. That's not where my therapy is. My therapy is, okay, tell me how you're feeling. How do you want to feel instead? How do you want to respond to this stressful situation instead? And then I help you go within to that calmer state of being so that, and I start to ask you questions there to guide you through this solution. Like you have the answers within you on what you need to do to have those healthier subconscious beliefs. That's going to help you find more inner peace long-term. Right. That almost sounds like a coach almost, right? Like you're coaching. What? A coach, like you're coaching somebody. I'm through. coaching. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So as far as hypnotherapy in comparison to therapy, is it something that you just keep going to? Like, you know, therapy could be once a week, twice a week, whatever it is. Or do I just do one session with Ashley and I'm like, depression is done. No more anger, no more anxiety. I'm good to go. My life has changed. Like, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So most therapists and coaches, I did the research and I looked at, they charge an average of six, five to $6,000 a year for their coaching and therapy services with no guarantee on how long it's going to take you to reach results. But my hypnotherapy can, it guarantees like results, optimal results within four weeks or less. So I offer a four week program And you can book as many sessions as you need until we get the result. But I've never had a client book more than like five sets. Five is the most. Five sessions is the most for them to like really break free of that emotional weight. Um, Because sometimes it just takes longer depending on how suppressed your emotions are. But um, yeah, literally on average, it's two sessions. 
which is mind boggling. Cause yeah, I've just, I've refined the system so much over time that it really, you can make a switch. And I know that sounds realistic. I know people are skeptical. I was skeptical at first when my teachers were telling me that could take that long, but you know, it's really, it's like a technology that can help you get from point A to point B faster. Like why walk when you can drive? Mm. If you look at it that way, it's, it's really about helping you work with the most powerful part of your mind in a gentle, effective way without medical intervention. And it's, it's really freeing. I really hope that more people are open to it in the future so that they can get fast results and not have to waste money or years of therapy to get there. That makes sense. Um, that yeah. makes sense. So you have chosen to focus in on black men. And in our initial interview, when we spoke, you said that you actually hated black men growing up or you were taught to hate black men. Can you elaborate? Yeah. Can you elaborate on that and how you freed yourself from that? And then also what have you kind of heard from black men that you've been um, getting therapy from in regards to what some of our issues are? So, yeah, I was taught and I'm realizing that a lot of women are, are taught this. You grow up hearing things like men are shit. Men are going to hit, hit you upside your head. They're just going to abuse you. They're just going to do this. You know, you can't trust them. And you're when you're a kid, you don't have the skills to question what adults are telling you, like especially up to ages like eight or 12. You're just taking things in, information in and accepting it. Just like when you tell a kid that Santa Claus is real, they're like, okay, great. Awesome. They're not like, really? Is it really real? I don't know. So if you're a kid and an adult comes to you and tells you men aren't shit over and over again, or that you see that your aunt or your cousin, older cousin and aunt or whatever is coming to you crying about their husband. And, or if you see domestic abuse from a guy, like, or, you know, you see, the dad leave the mom and you don't really know the context of the relationship, but you see all these things over and over in the black community, you're going to have a negative belief about men without right. question. And also I had from a really young age and it, it helped me. I think it helped me in the long run, but I had family friends, family members, my mom's friends or whatever coming to me, telling me to stay away from men because men were pedophiles that men will touch you and that you have to be afraid of them. So I didn't know any better. I was just like, I would, anytime I saw that, I would go run and hide or I'd be like ready to fight. I would look for something sharp. I would be like, you can't touch me. Like I was, <laughs> I was hyper. Yeah. I was hyper vigilant around men for the majority of my life. And when I got to dating age, um, I didn't realize how that was sabotaging my relationships that I had this like innate distrust and fear and I had my guard up, you know, some of that was logical. Some of that was just conditioning. And I, I got tired of sabotaging my relationships when they were like legitimately nice, wholesome men that would come into my life. And I would mentally, emotionally, physically push them away because of that belief that they, they were not safe, mm. you know, or I would attract these men into my life who weren't safe to re to reinforce this idea, this belief that they weren't. Cause if your beliefs can home, like bring things into your life, if that makes sense. Right. So I, when I was in hypnotherapy school, I was at, at a point where I was in a relationship where I was sabotaging it 
because of all of this. And I realized that, well, I've got this idea, hey, maybe I'll use some of the tools I'm learning in my hypnotherapy school to help me release this belief. So one of the tools is dream therapy, where you can, your sub, when you dream, your subconscious is clinically proven, is your, your dreams are shown to be there to help you vent out and release things that are bothering you consciously. Right. And, and so hypnotherapists use the dream, the dream world, if you will, to intentionally vent out and release things that are bothering you so that you can kind of break free with them, break free of them. So I did a, a dream therapy exercise one night to address my hate of men. And um, I remember walking into like this restaurant and bar and uh, all these like male characters were there and they were talking to me kind of some of them were sketchy. Some of them were really nice, but then some, I don't remember the full conversation, but when I turned around, all of the men that were lined up men from my past and like men I'd never seen before in my dreams, but they were like lined up all dressed in white, all dressed in white. And they were all strong and they were protectors and they were benevolent. And they, they were just there all looking at me, nodding, like patiently, lovingly letting me know it was okay. And I just like kind of walked down this line and kind of felt this sense of release, like, okay, it's safe. Like you don't have to trust anyone and everyone, but not everyone is also an evil. Not every man is also evil. Right. Mm. So I kind of have strongly understood that. And I walked back out the bar and I looked behind me and I woke up and, you know, I've attracted really nice male friends and boyfriends and dates like ever since. So maybe that's not everyone's story. But I definitely know that um, it was a relief for me personally to not hold that hate in my heart anymore. Mm -hmm. And you asked, as a therapist working with Black men, what are some of the issues that I've seen? So the number one, the number one issue that I found over and over again was a, a lack of worthiness, not feeling worthy, success, of love, of even positive praise or compliments, um, wanting to scale and take their level, their career or things to the next level and being afraid to go for it because they didn't feel worthy of it, um, not feeling worthy of healing. So that was number one. Um, so I worked with a lot of building work, self-worth. And, you know, you can't really blame them. I mean, society's always telling you you're not good enough. So like, that was like learning how to feel worthy in spite of what the world feels about you. Gotcha. Right? Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know if this is too heavy, but there's a lot of men in our community that were sexually abused as a child, but they don't talk about it because it's so taboo. So healing those, those sexual abuse wounds was very common in my practice has been common in my practice. And I'm really fortunate that they feel comfortable with me that I've created this safe space where they can talk about that. Um, but it's amazing. It's just like, it would be like the first time in decades, ranging from twenties to fifties where the first time that they would talk about it. And that's, a, that's, a, that's a heavy thing to hold in. So just the be able, the ability to talk about it was huge. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So what you're, what you're kind of saying too, is a lot of us don't kind of talk about some of these things. And I think it, part of it, like is the media and the way 
you know, we we portray black men are supposed to be. And we see this in, you know, Kanye West, like when he has his mental health issues, people poke fun of it, say he's, cra- he's yeah. crazy, whatever it is. We see mm-hmm. it with even the Jordan meme, like Jordan, the, the thing with Jordan crying, like that happened years yeah. ago. And I see it like probably once a week <laughs> where people are making fun of it. Right. The whole Will Smith thing. Uh, so these are just constant events that's occurring to black men that are not taken seriously. So I feel like as a result, a lot of black men feel like they can't share some of the things that are, that are going on with them and they're not supposed to really feel, you know, these type of emotions. So what advice would you give, I guess, black men to start being more comfortable with some of their emotions that society views as weak or not, you know, manly? Absolutely. Yeah. And that it is heartbreaking to know that we, we within our culture do that to our own melanated men, you know, like women are also taught that, oh, if a man cries or if a dude cries and he's weak and I shouldn't be with him and I should reject him, that he's mm-hmm. not, he's not good enough for me now without realizing that he's a human with a full array of human emotions and vulnerability is a strength. So we also have to teach our, our women, our girls, that that's okay too. Like, don't be a simp, but also don't, you know, you know, don't be someone who's on the extreme of always crying because that's not healthy either, but find a healthy balance where you're allowing yourself to have express yourself. So what I would say to men um, is that we don't have the luxury of waiting for the world to start giving black men safe spaces to express themselves because there's a mental health crisis. Suicide is on the rise for men of color. Even children, black children ages eight to 11, suicide is one of the leading causes of death. Uh, drug addiction and substance abuse, incarceration is can also be a result of mental health issues. So we don't have the luxury of waiting for the world to start creating these safe spaces. So I'm saying what I propose is to be your own safe space. Meaning that when you find time, you carve out time in your busy schedule to sit with your emotions. Like I said, at the beginning of this call is to give yourself permission to feel what you feel. If you lose a loved one, allow yourself to grieve it rather than being like, Oh, okay. I got this. Mm-hmm. They would want me to be happy. They would want me to try. No, they would want you to, uh, to feel what you can feel. And in a healthy way, give yourself space to admit when you're not okay. Because we talked about Kanye. That was probably, that was something that if you watched his documentary was something that was going on that he kept saying, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. When he wasn't. Because men are conditioned to say, I'm okay, but like, that's when you crack. That's when something in your brain chemistry is like, okay, I can't take anymore. I'm going to go into being neurotic. Like you, and you're, you can create chronic illness. You can create long-term depression. You can create a sense of hopelessness. Like just start to carve out time for yourself to say, okay, I admit I'm not feeling great right now. I admit that I do feel pressure. I admit that I am anxious. I admit that I am feeling insecure and get saying it out loud to yourself or even keeping a journal will be so beneficial rather than just telling yourself that it's fine to man up. Right. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. I think it it definitely helps coming from a woman as well, because uh, I I feel like sometimes men are afraid to, you know, speak on these things with women because we're supposed to be their protectors and, um, all of these things and a lot of men feel apprehensive to talk about these things. Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, it's hard. 
I also think a major issue that we have is dealing with racism. I don't know if any of the men that you have spoken to have brought that up. Um, what what would you yeah. like um, say would be a way to mentally kind of get through some of the uh, challenges like with your self-esteem and self-efficacy and just you as a man um, in regards to dealing with racism? I know a lot of men in the workplace where they feel inferior or that they can't be them tr- their true selves or, you know, they, they comparing themselves to white men and, and all of the things that racism brings about. So what advice would you give for that? And how, how do we psychologically deal with, you know, racism and kind of get a sense of joy and happiness again? I know a lot of, you know, black men that don't smile, don't laugh, you know, and it's a lot of it is because of our experience. Absolutely. Yes. And I just want to be clear that I could never obviously tell a man how to be a man. That was never my goal. My goal was to just hold space and like understand how the mind works, how our energy works and how our body responds to like trauma and things like that. And just use that mechanic, those mechanics for your human self to like help you get to a more joyful, happier place, not, and not say, oh, you're a man, so you need to do this. That was never my goal. I can't teach you how Mm. to be a man. But when it comes to facing adversity and lack of being, feeling, you know, appreciation and just constantly being shortchanged or told that you're not good enough, or even, you know, maybe not outright, maybe just do like we say microaggressions, At the end of the day, the way to one powerful way to start to switch that is to start to to tell yourself in those moments, I love myself. I love myself no matter how other people feel about me. They don't appreciate me. I appreciate the work I'm doing. I appreciate me. And I say that because it is a basic human need, no matter where you are on the planet, it's a basic human need to feel appreciated. And a lot of men go through life not feeling appreciated. And, you know, women obviously do too, but it's just, there's more, there's more safe space for women to go to get that sense of appreciation from women's circles and, and all these, there's messages telling them how to build that, but there's not really any messages telling men to appreciate themselves and the work that they're doing to provide, to, to come up, to hustle, to do these things. So really practice self-love because no one can take that away from you. No one, you, tell yourself you are not going to abandon yourself. Even if other people abandon you, know that you won't. And what these, what that does is you're planting seeds in your mind that you are worthy, that you are loved, that you're on a higher vibration. And that's going to attract people, places, and circumstances into your life that it's like going to give you tunnel vision on those instances where you can find that sense of appreciation, Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. So um, I kind of wanted to allow people to ask questions. I have a million more questions, but um, we'll allow people listening in to ask questions. So if you have a question Uh, You can go to the reaction uh, portion on the bottom and raise your hand, or you could type in your question. If you prefer to just keep it anonymous and type it in, you could type in your question or you could raise your hand. So does anybody have a question for Ashley? Yeah, I've taken over the years so many questions on like 
is hypnosis the devil <laughs> is is how do you not invite in entities how do you how do you know that you're not getting into like memories that are traumatizing you know is it mind control is it you know there's a lot of i've heard it all so bring it <laughs> all right I, I see rebecca you unmuted yourself did you have a question yeah, I, I, I came in late, so sorry about that. But from what I'm gathering is it look like you are a therapy, like a men, like a trauma healing or therapy. Um, how long have you been doing that? What you were just saying, everything you were discussing makes sense to me based on the work I have done and life experience. But yeah, maybe you can just explain a little bit and your population. I know that it's male, but do you see women and... Is it a trauma or the war or everything? Thank you. Good question. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. So I have been on, I have about 10 years of experience with the modality I use, like hypnosis. So I started out using it on myself. And then once I got the results, I started studying it in a nationally accredited college and I opened my practice in 2019. So I have officially been seeing clients since 2019. And it does, you know, when I started, I was seeing everyone mm -hmm. over the age of 18. And you can customize your session for trauma healing, habit control. Like if you're emotional eating, you want to stop that. S smoking, vaping. Basically, I can meet with anyone if they say, hey, this is what I'm faced mm -hmm. with. And in a free consultation, make sure that my services are right for you. And if not, I can refer you to another expert, but I do see women. So I actually changed. I, I stopped focusing specifically on men for the time being only for a few reasons, but uh, my, my practice is open to all. Yeah. And where are you based? I'm based in Arizona, but I see clients on Zoom like this so we can have private confidential Zoom sessions. Mm -hmm. And like, as long as you have an internet connection and we both speak the same language, we can we can have a session. Okay. Thank you. That's your question. Thank you. Go ahead, Jacob. So being melanated and things like that, a lot of the time we grow up is like, you know, having a lot of religious trauma as a result of indoctrination and things like that. And it's like, I was just wondering, like, how did, if you had any of this, like, how did you deal with like religious trauma as a kid? Cause a lot of the time, you know, we're forced to grow up being me personally, like a Christian and things like that without having a second thought. And I was just wondering, like, how did you get through that and transition in your way into spirituality? That, and secondly, how can I get tapped in with you more? So like we could get like a session going on and things like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great questions. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. So the religious trauma I can definitely relate to. I went to three different types of religious schools because my mom honestly was just trying to get a discount and keep me in private school. So she baptized me three different times. If you're baptized within the religion that the school is indoctrinating you into, you get a discount on tuition. So I went to like Baptist Christian school, a Catholic school and a Lutheran school. And it definitely saw some things, prejudices, all kinds of things that we all see in that space. And yeah, it led me to being an atheist at one point and non-believer, resentful, but on my own healing journey, 
I came across this belief, I think it's in, it was in Buddhism, where there's balance in the universe of there's creation and destruction. We can't live in this universe without creation and destruction and finding like making peace with that. They have to coexist in order to create the universe that we live in. That was one thing that helped me get back on the spiritual path. So it's really just about being open to seeing what all of the different well, as many as you can expose yourself to the different beliefs and different religions and different philosophies are saying and seeing what resonates with you personally with having an open mind about what the message is through ancient times. I think it's interesting that since ancient man, that people came up with different spiritual ideas and beliefs to help them get to where humanity is now. I'm not an expert by any chance, by any means, but I think that is seeing what all the different ones are saying and seeing the common thread through all of them, that there is a common message that woven into all of them that speaks to the human exists experience that can help us on our way back to spirituality. But I'm not, I'm not an expert. I would never tell someone to be spiritual if they don't want to. I do have atheist clients. So hopefully that resonates with you, but we can definitely talk more about that privately. And if you are interested in working with me, you can go to my website, ashleyb.com. It's A-S-H-L-E-E-B as in boy.com and work with me there and you can reach out. I'm also on Instagram. I'll put my Instagram in the chat. It's at Ashley B Wellness. And you can DM me on there too if you're on Instagram. Yeah, I'm definitely going to follow you from my account and I want to chop it up with you, definitely. Most definitely. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for that, Jacob. Somebody asks, do you have to mentally prepare yourself for a session with a client or after? Me personally? Yeah, good question. I do like to kind of have a reset before a session so that I'm coming in as open and as present as I can and also shielding myself from anything that they're experiencing because, you know, I don't usually tell people this, but I'm what called an empath. I think everyone's an empath where they can kind of pick up people's emotions and feelings and kind of read their, how they're feeling. But some people just have it more than others for whatever reason sometimes. So I don't want to have a client come in and feel so bogged down and stressed that, and then I start to feel that way. And then we're both just in the session, like, you know, like that's not going to help anybody. So I kind of, I do mentally prepare to just whatever is going on in my personal life, leave it outside the door, shield myself from their emotions and just be present and open with them. And then afterwards, if there is anything that I picked up, you know, energetically or emotionally, just cleansing that and go back into my day, just kind of making peace with it, doing a meditation, grounding so that I'm present for my personal life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's important to like have self-care in in this space for sure. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Somebody asks, at what age can you begin hypnotherapy? So what age would you recommend beginning? Yeah, that's a good question. There are, I would say there's different schools of thought on that. I, I see parents beginning to use subconscious 
condi- like conditioning, like sleep recordings with affirmations for their kids at a really young age. Like I am beautiful. I am smart. I like these positive affirmations that they can listen to in their sleep at a young age, because when you're up until age eight, you're just a walking, talking subconscious mind. Like your mind is just a sponge and you're those those things that you're absorbing are going to influence you the rest of your life. So you can start to use that positive hypnosis at a really young age, probably as, as like as soon as they're born, really. But if you're talking about if they're traumatized or have something like that, you could go to a, a hypnotherapist, but they're going to want, if there's two parents, they're going to want both parents to be on board with like have like a a signed form to show that both parents are okay with them going to hypnotherapy just so that there's no legal issues between the parents later on. Mm. But yeah, there's, I mean, hypnotherapists say that when up until age eight, you're just like in a natural state of hypnosis anyway. So they're just being hyper influenced. So Mm. if you're looking to use it therapeutically, I personally don't think that there's an early enough age to do that. Yeah. That's, it's really, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that that is interesting. Um, I never thought about it like that. Like being in a mm-hmm. in a hypnosis state early yeah, on. Yeah, because you're you're like I mentioned earlier, you're our brain waves. You're naturally in a, a lower brain wave when you are up until like age eight. That's why when you think when you were a kid, time seemed to go by so slow. Like everything seemed to go by so slow, but the older you get, the faster your brain waves are, the more your attention is outward on your goals, on your dating, on your bills, on all these things. So your, your brain activity is faster. So time seems to go by so much more fast, like quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and that, yeah. Think about that. <laughs> that is interesting. All right. Somebody asks, could hypnosis help someone to remember forgotten memories? Good question. So Yes and no, but there's a safe way to do it. So when you do memory regression, you have to be careful because the mem- the mind does not remember memories like exactly as they had. It's not like watching a, a video on Netflix or YouTube and being able to rewind it and get back to that exact scene in your life where you can like play it as it happened. The mind distorts memories. So if you're using hypnosis to recall a memory and you're in the hypnotic state, you can risk creating like false memories. Mm. And um, like people will do childhood regression be like, oh, I think I had a trauma from my childhood. Can you help me remember? And end up like there was actually a famous lawsuit where they were doing these childhood uh, regressions. And people were remembering um, their teachers touching them and like these things that happened. And they put people behind bars. They accused people of crimes that they later found out did not commit. Like they were proven to be innocent through DNA stuff, things like that. And it was the hypnosis that put them behind bars. So the way I was taught was that the memory regression is really is really unsafe when you're in hypnosis trying to uncover a memory. So what we do instead is we help you strengthen memory over time so that over time you can consciously remember the memory can come back to you when it's meant to like in the conscious waking state, the state you and I are in now. Mm-hmm. And I've had clients do that. Yeah. So you just want to be careful. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody else have questions? 
or while we wait on questions, I think black male rage is is a thing. And I think, you know, as black men, we have a lot to be angry about as black folks, as black people. We have a lot to be angry about. So I know you deal a lot with with anger and things like that. So if I am in an angry state all the time, and I know a lot of people that that use drugs as a result of being angry and just calming that state down. So instead of re- regressing to drugs, um, how can I kind of use hypnosis as a means of um, dealing with my anger? Yeah. So good question. Anger is a symptom. Anger is a symptom of um, our experiences, our pain, our unexpressed emotions. I definitely struggled with anger and rage and aggression through my healing journey, before my healing journey. Uh, just always on one, just all the time, forever. <laughs> just it was not ever not on one. So how the way that hypnosis does is, again, Anything that you're not expressing, whether it's feeling unloved, feeling unappreciated, being taught from a really young age, be a man, don't cry. And you have all these experiences that you want to mourn and grieve and feel, but you're just suppressing them. That's all going to be in your subconscious mind. That's all going to be in your mind somewhere. So what hypnotherapy can do is just to help you gently release that trapped emotion in a healthy, non-traumatic way so that you can start to dial, that anger will start to melt on its own naturally once you're in that, once you start to do that. Mm. Yeah. Got it. And start to make peace with those things that helped you. Like, you know, therapy can help you forgive people that have passed away or that are still living. Forgiveness is a huge remedy for anger. Um, Not to say that those things that people did to you is okay, but to free yourself of that anger for your well-being. So forgive, it helps you forgive. It helps you um, do inner child work. If your inner child is hurting, if you had experiences when you were a child that caused you pain that you haven't been able to let go, it can help you do that. Shadow, shadow work, many things that you're not aware of that are bothering you can come emotionally to your awareness to process it it's Mm -hmm. it's really effective tool and i'll say it like this like i use this analogy a lot so say i don't know if this looks like anything to you guys but say that this is an iceberg oh that's not anything but this is the water and this is the iceberg right so we have this I'm not an artist. I'm going to redo this. <laughs> all good. This all good. We, we got it. <laughs> okay. So this is an iceberg in the ocean. This is the top that we see when we're in the boat. Okay. And this is the powerful part keeping it afloat. So think of this like your mind. Your mind. Your, this is your subconscious mind. This is where those trapped emotions are leading to anger. And this is this is your conscious mind that's process, that's expressing the anger. So we only see this like 5% of what's bothering us, but what's truly bothering us is in this 95% beneath the surface. So once you start to work with this massive part of your mind, this powerful part that's like moving you forward and keeping you afloat, then you're going to start to see the anger release, the healing, and being able to let go of the past in a way that's healthy for you. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So- 
Ashley, you're coaching me through this. We do a session. Life happens still. You know, I still have reasons to be upset. I still have reasons for sadness and grief and all these things. Um, mm. What is my responsibility as the person getting coached? Uh, you can't do everything for me, but what is my responsibility afterwards to make sure that whatever we did through our session is going to be effective, you know, long term? Yeah. So that's a, that's a whole lot. So one of the things that I tell clients to do to set them up for long-term success is start to use what we call conscious language, just being aware of the words that you're saying, because your words can create, like determine your mood, how you're feeling, how you're thinking. So for instance, I have permission to share this from one client. Uh, I don't put my client's business in the street, but I asked him for permission to share this and we've done videos together. So this is an example. He came to me for a sugar addiction and he was not aware of why he was a sugar addict, but he was a boxer. So the sugar addiction, he would go out and work at the gym, hustle and get, you know, the workout. And then on his way home, get a bunch of Twinkies and eat Twinkies in the car and that defeated his purpose of being in the gym for his job right so when we got down to it when we went in and we to find out like where this where this was coming from when he would get stressed or unhappy or have a fight with his girlfriend he would be even more wanting to like eat the sugar so we found out that his as a kid that he had a single dad and when he was sad his dad would be like oh let's go get some ice cream let's go get some cake so he was mm. taught unconsciously to cope with his emotions through sugar through sweets and he gained a lot of weight. He was, he said, I was a fat kid. And when I became a boxer, that helped me like defend myself and lose weight and build confidence, but I still have the sugar addiction. So when we did the work and he's, we changed, substituted the sugar for healthier coping mechanisms. He lost weight. He didn't even like sugar anymore. When he would try to eat it, he was like, oh, this tastes nasty. Like he didn't like the sugar anymore. But over the over a few months, he fell back into the sugar addiction because I found out he kept saying to himself, I'm a fat kid at heart. I'm a fat kid at heart. I'm a fat kid at heart. So those words were, were bringing up those old subconscious beliefs that we had worked to, to, to let go of. So I don't really see that much anymore because I've learned, I've developed tools and techniques that will help eliminate that long-term. But that's one of the things that I realized I needed to teach clients to do is that now that you have this new belief, you're paying for my program, you're paying for my services, you have this new belief, your words have to align with that. If you're, if you're saying I'm a fat kid, then you're going to have habits like a fat kid. And I'm not, you know, I don't like to use the word fat. I'm just using his language, what he was saying. Right. right? So, um, yeah, just taking that responsibility. And then when you're aware that you're using self-sabotaging language, just being like, oh, no, cancel. I am a healthy person. I enjoy healthier food options. I cope with stress, whatever you need to tell yourself to keep those lasting results. Mm. Thank you for that. I have mm -hmm. a question from the audience. Are you tapping into the spiritual realm when you're in a hypnotherapy state? Good question. It depends on the client. Like I definitely use self-hypnosis. Um, it's really, like, like I said, it's like a, a meditation. You're in a stronger meditative state. So I use it for prayer. I use it for, to speak to, if I want to speak to like a spiritual guide, or if I feel like 
I just want to feel spiritual for whatever reason. You know, I, it helps me get to that state and feel connected to spirit easier. So that's my personal practice. I'm, and I don't tell other people to do that, but I've had clients that I teach self-hypnosis to just so, so they can amplify their affirmations and have that self-control, whatever they want to use it for. And they'll come back to me months later and say, did you know that you can use this for prayer? Did you know this you can use this for your spiritual practice? And I'll be like, yeah, I didn't know. So they discover that on their own. Um, and they are able to get that. Cause like whenever, you know, if you think about prayer, if you're just closing your eyes and you're trying to connect to something, it's so much easier if you have a way to just quiet the outside world. Right. So that's what it can do. I've had clients that will come to me specifically for spiritual things and we can work that, but I'm not a spiritual guide. I just give them the tool so that they can use it for their own spiritual practice the way they want to, you know, mm-hmm. um, I definitely, it is. But when, if I just have a client and they're coming to me for eating habits, I'm not going to impose my spiritual beliefs on them. So it's just, it's just specific client to client. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Somebody asks, have you had an experience where a client couldn't be hypnotized? What was standing in the way? <laughs> so all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, meaning that you have, you're giving permission to the therapist to have that experience. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do or say anything you don't want to say. I also don't have any magical power over you. And it's really about just building respect so that we are, so that you try, we trust each other and you're trusting me to help you get into that experience, have that experience. So I personally have never had a client that has not achieved the calming, relaxing state of hypnosis and had a, a positive transformation because I, my, my most important thing is building that respect so that you're you know, I'm, I'm only here for your benefit, but I do know hypnotists that have had trouble with that because what they fall into this trap is that the therapist, they think that they're in control. They think that they're causing like forcing you or causing you to be hypnotized. Oh, I'm hypnotizing you. But if they're, they're missing the point is that you are, you're allowing yourself to have that experience. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Do anybody else have questions? Uh, Ashley, I know before you were talking about like affirmations and things like that and Mm -hmm. reprogramming your mind through words. So what have you found to be some really effective affirmations overall for people that are really trying to reprogram their minds and be more positive and um, change their mood and be happier and things like that? Okay. And more successful and all the positive stuff. All the positive things? Yeah. So my personal favorite is I am who I am and who I am is enough always. Uh, and I'll repeat that. Oh, my bad. I am. I'm going to charge. I have to charge my phone. I am <laughs> who I am and who I am is enough always. So that kind of says it all. I think so much of our society and especially being melanated people being taught that you're not enough. 
that you're not good enough to go for that promotion. You're not good enough to go back to school. You're not good enough to start your podcast. You're not good enough to go for that person you're attracted to. You're not good enough for self-care. Like there's so many messages that we're not enough. And so we're always kind of just trying to do things, have side hustles, make more money, do all these things so that we feel good enough about ourselves or that we feel complete, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I personally used to struggle with perfectionism, always needing everything to be perfect. So to the point where I would think, well, if I can't do it perfectly, then I'm just not going to do it. And I used to think that about being a hypnotist. It was like, okay, well, I graduated my program. I can't tell people that I'm a hypnotist now and open my practice and start seeing clients because I'm not perfect at it. You know what I mean? So it was like, no, I am enough. I don't have to prove anything. I'm going to be patient with myself and where I am now and not sell myself short. And that's, that's like not, not an easy thing, but that, that affirmation helps. It really just sets a good foundation that you are enough and that can help you push towards your goals, towards healthier choices, towards more confidence. I would recommend writing I am enough on your mirror or put it somewhere where you can see it every day. Mm. That's my personal favorite. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Anybody else have questions in the audience or want to know anything from Ashley or make a comment? Yeah, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, not to sound like too, I don't know if it sounds kiddish, but could you hypnotize yourself to be like, okay, I don't want to eat meat anymore. Can you go to a hypnotist and say, hey, stop me from wanting to eat meat. I just want to eat vegetables. Can you do that? Or is that a thing? Or is that too far-fetched? Or? Oh, I love that. So there was a vegan company that hired a hypnotherapist to help people do that, actually, that helped people that wanted to be vegan, live that lifestyle more easily that were struggling to like stay vegan. So I've been vegan 2017. So I'm kind of biased. But yeah, it definitely helps you choose change your eating habits long-term. The thing you want to be mindful of is that when you are seeing a hypnotherapist, it has to be something that you already desire. You have to already want to give up meat for the hypnosis to work because what it does is just, it takes your, the seed of desire that you already have and amplifies it. So it's a habit so that it's now a belief. So it just, it makes that desire stronger. So you're, you're, you're motivated to do it long-term. I can't, like I said earlier, I can't make you do anything you don't want to do or say anything you don't want to say. So if you're like, I love bacon and I'm a hardcore bacon fan, the hypnosis would never work. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my, my thing, my thing was, I've been trying to get away from that for the longest time. And, um, you know, I guess the will wasn't strong enough. So I was saying maybe maybe getting hypnotized or, or I, forgive me if I'm for lack of a better word, right? Uh, getting hypnotized, could I just, could that get me over the hump? And is it like something like I go with you, I get hypnotized, then tomorrow I look at bacon like, yuck. <laughs> it's possible. I've seen clients changing as little as one session. I've even had clients that had an addiction to fast food like McDonald's for 30 years. And after one or two sessions, like did not even have the desire for fast food anymore. Even smoking cigarettes, people that smoked cigarettes for decades and tried, they couldn't get over that hump, was able to become an ex-smoker. So as long as you have the desire uh, to change, then hypnotherapy can help you get over that hump. 
Awesome. Thank you. And that, that yeah. explains a lot why, why people will want to keep this down because it will make others stronger. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I see, you see that it's, it definitely would take a lot of money, like power away from people because hypnosis gives you the power back. You know what I mean? So they don't want people to have power. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? Questions, thoughts, comments, ideas? That's why I'm mad at Get Out. I think it's a beautiful movie, but it's like, dang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it kind of made a whole race of people afraid of hypnosis. <laughs> the same people I was trying to help. Mm, mm, mm. Thank yeah. you, Gary. Oh, that's refreshing. <laughs> making my day. All right. So nobody has questions. I always have questions. So I just wanted to know, I know you started your practice, you know, as um, with a vision for black people generally, and then specifically for black men. So I just wanted to know what your vision is in regards to mental health and hypnotherapy and that improvement that you were seeking when you started. So working in this space with Black men specifically really showed me just how much I had underestimated this, like the need for mental health in our community. Like I knew going into it, that study showed that Black folks in general, men or women, are less likely to invest in mental health, that there's a huge skepticism around it. And rightly so, you know, like, but we also have higher stress and mental health like disparities than other races so we might have like 20 to 30 times higher stress and mental mental health afflictions but we're like 20 percent less likely to go to a mental health specialist and so when I was creating content around promoting mental health in the black community I actually got a lot of backlash like how dare you what do you why would you say that that's for white people. Like, who do you think you are? And no, you should just pray mental health issues away. And like, I get prayer is very powerful, but it's not the only tool that we have in our self-improvement. We can have pr prayer and mental health and diet and these different things that help create a whole, right? So it's, there was, um, it was a little disheartening, honestly, to see how much resistance and backlash and resent and animosity there was towards mental health professionals, even like professionals of color. Mm, mm. Yeah. It's like, dang, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That, that is interesting too, man. I, I also wanted to think, I was thinking about like your experience as a black female hypnotherapist in a predominantly white field. Do you find that a lot of your colleagues that are white are getting more success and there's more belief in buy-in in what they're doing as opposed to what you're doing? Yeah. So that's the other thing too, is that there was a time where I was very bitter and jaded about that, that they like, literally, if you type in hypnotherapist into say Instagram, you will see loads. It's becoming more of a popular profession, but you will see probably 15, 20 white hypnotherapists with will, really 
healthy accounts, meaning that they have lots of followers, a lot of engagement, a lot of reviews. People are just pouring in, eating up everything they're saying. And then all of them are white, but then you'll see like one or two, three hypnotherapists of color, their accounts are small. They're not getting engagement. They're saying the same things that the other accounts are saying, but like, it's like a ghost, it's like a ghost town (laughs) and it does build resent and it's kind of like, dang, like it's, it makes it difficult to make a living sometimes, but it, it is what it is. I don't know. It's just, it's there. So what you'll see, what a lot of people don't realize too, and I realized this a long time ago, is that a lot of people will say that they're a coach or life coach. I've even used the term coach or expert and they're low key a hypnotherapist just because they don't want to deal with the stigma around the word hypnosis. So there are a lot of black life coaches and wellness coaches that are just using the word coach instead of hypnotist. So mm. that's, that's cool too. They, and that way they're getting more people in the door and having more of a positive impact. So I've kind of started to take that route just so that I can add value and not be so like hidden in the algorithm. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Somebody wanted to know if you accept insurance. So hypnotherapy is holistic. Insurance companies generally don't cover holistic services. But if you have an employer with a health savings account that you've been putting money into, your HSA, your health savings account will reimburse you for hypnotherapy. Also, I've made my prices affordable so that you can, they're affordable to pay out of pocket. And you're paying per the results so that you're paying a flat fee to get the result that you're looking for rather than having to come once a week, once a month and not know when you're going to feel better. So that's good. That makes it more affordable as well. The other thing I will say is that I just launched a promo. I haven't announced it on Instagram officially yet, but now through November 4th, if you want to work with me, I'm seeing the next 33 clients that book will get 80% off my four week program. Mm. So you'll get, you'll get a full program with tools that you can use for your, for the rest of your life that are helping people with stress, anxiety, trauma, and habit control for 80% off now through November 4th. That sounds like a good deal, man. I might, I might have to Yeah, for sure. It's a game changer. Yes. We are going to be wrapping up. Does anybody have any final questions before we wrap up? And I'll put my website in the chat too and my email address. I also want to say too, like I didn't say this before, but I did do a session with Ashley um, during the summer and it was, I went into it like, yo, I'm already good. I I don't really need you know, I know a lot about mental health. I don't really need this whole thing. And it was a little disrespectful. Um, we talked about that. Um, but I did find out that I actually did need it. I had a little bit of an anxiety and everything. And just going through it cleared my mind. I was like on my couch thinking for like clearly for like five hours, like after the <laughs> session and everything. Um, so it was for me effective and I'll definitely be going back to uh, sounds like an advertisement but I'll definitely be going back. Review. No. <laughs> I'll I appreciate be going back. the transparency yeah <laughs> somebody wanted to know uh what are some nefarious things 
we should look for like red flags if we saw a hypnotherapist with ulterior motives? That's a good question. That's a good question. Yes. So it is, I can see why some people are skeptical of hypnosis because there are literally like schools or programs that will be like, oh, learn how to be a hypnotherapist in two over the weekend, like in two days, like a weekend long course. And then people go and try to practice hypnosis and be in people's minds with just like a two weekend course. Like my program was like two years mm. where we learned the ethics, the history, the science. Um, how to keep you safe, what not to do, what to do, different therapeutic tools to help you reach your goals in a short period of time, like laws around the issue. So it, I would first look to see if you can find their credentials. Do they have any certifications? If, if they can't provide credentials or certifications, then that's when you would want to move on to the next person. Also, we live in a culture where reviews are very, you know, powerful just like you look on reviews on amazon and yelp and the restaurant we're going to see if they have a history of reviews my reviews i've been gathering them since 2020 on this platform called heal.me where it's verified clients so the system will will has a way of identifying if they've actually worked with me and verifying that they are a client and have the review there i also have reviews on google so just seeing like do they have good content? Do they have qualifications? And then also just trusting your instincts, like really seeing if they have YouTube videos and social media content. And when you watch it, feel what your what comes up in your energy. Does it feel good when you watch them? And if not, it's not a good match for you. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, you're smart enough to know. And this fool is not, <laughs> you know, what they're, who they say they are. So that's, that's important. Thank you for that, Ashley. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. All right. So as we wrap up, I know like people might want to explore this a little bit further. Can you share some resources or places where people can go to find information about black male mental health, hypnotherapy, or outside mental health uh, things that can help them out? Yeah. So if you're like, you know, I've listened to all this, that's all nice and good, but you're still interested in finding tools that support your mental health therapy for black org is a really great resource because not only do they have a directory of therapists nationwide that are melanated therapists and coaches, they also do, um, I think once a quarter, they issue like $88,000 worth of scholarships for men to get therapy on a scholarship so that you don't need insurance or to pay out of pocket. So therapyforblackmen.org is really good. And they have free content on social media that helps talk about these issues as well. And black boys and uh, black boy and Om on Instagram and black boy and OM, Om, they have wellness classes, workshops like yoga and mindfulness and stuff that you can tap into as well and a directory of healing practitioners. Mm. Those are the ones for men that I'm aware of, but Black Therapist Rock also, their website and Black Therapist Rock on social media like Instagram, they have a directory of Black Therapists for men and women just because sometimes it's nice to just go to a therapist of color, you know, and feel like you're heard and not have to worry about white 
therapist judging you, things like that. Mm. Thank you for that, man. Those, those were great resources. For those of us wondering, we will do a future program for Black women, <laughs> those wondering. But yeah, so thank you for those resources, Ashley. Um, again, Ashley's website is on the chat, ashleyb.com. Um, she's on Instagram. You can hit her up. Uh, you can get a free consultation, right, Ashley? Free consultation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I offer a 45-minute consultation just to see where you are, where you want to be. I'm going to turn on my light. I don't know if you guys can see that. It's probably backwards for you. But um, ashleyb.com, my <laughs> handwriting is not great. But yeah, so the consultation just kind of does a deeper dive into what you're experiencing just to make sure that I'm appropriate to work with you. And they go by really quickly, but they're really great to sometimes people feel like, Oh, that's all I need. I just wanted to unload and like have someone to talk to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah. All right. So I'm excited, man. 80% off till November 4th. That's a, 80% that's... off to November 4th. It's a four week program. You can meet as often or as little as you need to. Again, in the program, you pay per result. So whether that's one session or five sessions, I've only had one person ever do the five session, but that, I gave them a bonus one. So you will see results and have a workbook, a 38-page workbook I designed so you can cherry pick self-healing tools and healthy coping skills when you need to, when stress arises and those unexpected things that just makes you feel like you have the weight of the world. These tools help you get on top of it so that you're in control instead of under that pressure. And you're mm-hmm. coming to the things, like you said, with mental clarity. That's that's something we could all use more of, right? In this world with full of distractions. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really, it's a great deal. And really quick before we end, I'm offering the 80% off because we're going into the holiday season and it's just generally a more stressful time for a lot of people. And then also it gives you the tools so that you're going into the new year that's right around the corner, just feeling more in control, more empowered, more motivated to start the year fresh and not carry, take us baggage from this year into the next one. So give me incentive to like take your power back. Got it. Got it. Thank you for that, Ashley. Thank you for coming on, man. I feel like uh, definitely was a great learning experience, not just with hypnotherapy, but with mental health in general and Mm -hmm. some great coping strategies, some great things that we can be doing for ourselves with or without a therapist. So thank you for that. Yeah. Listeners, thank you for hanging out with us uh, on a Saturday night before Halloween. I know there was a lot of Halloween parties y'all could have attended. So thanks for coming through. We will be back next month, uh, last Saturday in November, discussing healing the Black family with um, two authors that are married and kind of figured some things out that they want to share. So it's going to be a great program. Um, Check us out on uh, mrg.mastermind on Instagram and uh, check us out also on mastermind.podcastpage.io to get all of our programs. Um, And you can even Google us and everything. So, and find information. And we just started actually selling uh some mastermind gear which we're going to put online soon so uh you know send me a dm email anything if you are interested in a mastermind hoodie mastermind shirt got you um and we'll have that online shortly uh so again thanks for coming through everybody and we will drop this program in a couple of weeks maybe a week or two and 
you can share it for those of us that missed out or anybody that you want to listen in and get some of the gems that Ashley gave us today. Uh, So thank you for coming on. And of course, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G. And I will see you next time on Mastermind. Turn this thing into gold, see this is alchemy They never know, never